Okay, we're going to turn now to God's Word. This morning we're looking at a passage of Scripture that many, many millions of Christians all around the world, Christ, uh, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, are looking at this morning for Palm Sunday. It is from Psalm 118, and we're going to look at the first two verses and the last ten verses, 19 to 29. This is Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. And then to verse 19. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. That is how the psalm begins, and that is how the psalm ends. But how can you capture or explain God's love? I mean, what an amazing, brilliant concept. I mean, we have metaphors and pictures and symbols but they only touch on the smallest, smallest fraction of God's love for his people. Um, here was a story this week that reminded me of, of you know, God's love. Uh, I saw this video of a 15-year-old girl who has been battling cancer. Um, her, her name is Coco. And again, I, I brought a picture. Um, that's her, her smiling face. And uh, she just finished her last chemotherapy appointment on Tuesday of this week. And as she was coming home from the hospital, dozens of her neighbors, I think there was about 25 cars lined each side of her street. And they kind of did a, a social distancing parade for her. People had decorated their cars with streamers and had, uh, you know, written, written on their car and Everybody was staying in their car, you know, six feet away, but they were celebrating, they were honking their horns, they were yelling encouragement for her. I think I even heard a firework go off when Coco came by, but it was, it was amazing, this display of kindness and support and encouragement for this girl um, fighting cancer. And that, to me, is a picture of how God feels about us, you know, how God feels about his children. When we get beat up by life, you know, when we're diagnosed with cancer, 
or when we lose someone we love, or the doctor tells us we have Alzheimer's, or we go through this, you know, this global pandemic together. God takes that and he makes something good come out of it. He takes these really bad things. I mean, a 15-year-old girl battling cancer during a global pandemic, she can't even, you know, get a hug from her friend, but God turns something good from it. He makes something beautiful out of that. God's love is shown through his righteousness and his salvation. That is what the psalmists tell us. That, that it's almost part of the definition of God's love. The, the righteousness that he gives us, the right standing before God, the salvation, the opportunity to live life in his presence forever and ever. Those are parts of God's love for us. And that's where I want to take us this morning. It's just I want to speak briefly about God's love. And then I want to show us how God's righteousness and God's salvation are part and parcel of, of that love. So, God's love. God's love for his people. I want to begin this section by asking you a question. What story are you telling yourself right now? about the coronavirus, about what we're going through. Stories are how we make sense of life and how, you know, what's happening to us. What story are you telling yourself? Is, uh, is it a story of this, you know, crippling, antagonizing, boring time that's driving you into some unhealthy habits? Or is the story you're telling yourself about a God that cares for us? A God that loves us, about um, a, a God that has a plan for us. Uh, when we center our stories on God's love, it opens up all kinds of, of possibilities. Um, I'm not saying it's easy, but when we do that in faith, when we cry out to God, it, it opens up all kinds of opportunities for us. We, we ask ourselves, you know, what is God saying? What is God stirring in our hearts through this? I've been trying to do every afternoon these virtual visits and just check in with, uh, with the congregation and see how everyone is doing. And I hear the, the discomfort. I hear the, the grief. But I also hear that there are good things coming out of this. You know, I hear that... Uh, I needed to slow down. I, it's giving us an opportunity to, to bond as a family. It's helping me to ask deeper questions about my life and my faith. My grandchildren are calling more often, and that feels good. All of these things, even these little things, they are blessings from a Father in heaven who loves us. They're signs of his, of his love. God loves us, he's chosen us, and God is kind to us. I never read uh, Robert Alter's translation of Psalm 118 until this week. And uh, he's, a, he's a brilliant guy, and, and the way that he puts verse 1 is he says, Forever is his kindness. Forever is God's kindness. 
And I love that translation because it feels really fresh and new, and yet it's, uh, it's authentic to the Hebrew. But sometimes love is an overused word. You know, sometimes it's even a cliche. But a kind person, a kind person we can all relate to, and we've known people that have been kind to us. A grandparent, perhaps, or a friend, or even the clerk at the supermarket who shows us an unexpected kindness. We've all experienced that. God is like that. That's a, a part of God's character. God is kind to us. Romans 5 says that it's God's kindness that leads to our repentance. It's God's kindness that leads to us changing our lives. It's not, it's not you know, us being afraid of, of a fearful God, some unhealthy way, but it's his kindness that gives us those opportunities to change our lives and to go in a different way. Sally Lloyd-Jones, she wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible, and this is how she describes God's love. She says it's his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And obviously the book is written for young children, but I think that that's something that all of us need to hear, that God's love is, is like that, that you can't do anything to make God stop loving you. The assurance that God loves us is the most powerful force in the universe, and it speaks to our hearts right now. You know, when we're, when we're lonely because of this pandemic, God's love is there. When we feel isolated, God's love is there. When our family doesn't understand us, God's love is there. When we're wondering, you know, why did this have to happen? What is going on? When we question him, God's love is still there. His never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Especially during this time, it can speak to our hearts. It can comfort us. The person who wrote this psalm, he knew what it was like to, to suffer. In verse 9 to 13, I, I didn't have time to read it this morning, but he describes being surrounded. He says it was actually like a swarm of bees that was around him. I've never had that experience, but it sounds really scary and really uncomfortable. He said that the things that he was going through, it felt like people were pushing him down, were walking all over him, and yet he never forgot God's love. God picked him up when he was down. And he's able to say, he's able to say in verse 17, that God intended his sufferings for good. That he would not die, but he would live, and he would tell of God's love. So that gives us two things that we can apply to our lives right now. Two things that we can hang our hat on. First, the psalmist and the Bible doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't hide our feelings, the whole range of emotions. That wouldn't be healthy right now if we were like, oh yeah, this, this isn't hard, this isn't stressful, this is nothing. That's not healthy. The Psalms show us how to be honest and how to bring everything to God. Imagine if the psalmist was surrounded by bees, a swarm of bees is all around him, and he's saying, oh, I'm fine, no problem, no big deal. 
No, he's honest with God. God can handle that. God can handle our questions. It doesn't change his love for us. And second, we see God's purposes. We see his plan through the difficult times. Sometimes we are more aware of God's love during the trials, during the tough things. Faith grows during storms. Some people um, have been saying that this pandemic is, is like smelling salt. <laughs> you know, they're, they're uncomfortable, but it's, it's waking us up. It's causing us to recognize things that we never would have seen six weeks ago. It's causing us to ask questions. Uh, friends and family are reaching out to me. Maybe I'm the only pastor that they know. Maybe I'm the only Christian that they know. And they're saying, what is going on with all this? Why is this happening? How can I have peace? And I tell them what I'll tell you. It's simple. There is hope. God loves you. Jesus has died for you. We take comfort in the life that he's given us, in the peace that's always there, no matter what our circumstances are. What we don't do is we don't trust in our own righteousness. We don't trust in trying harder or being better or being more religious. You know, I've also heard people say, well, when this is all done, I'm going to be more generous. You know, I'm going to find a church and I'm going to stick with it. Those, those things are good. Those things are fine, but they don't save us. Jesus doesn't want us to just be more religious or try harder. Jesus is saying, you can't do it. And that, that is where this psalm goes next. It's God's righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that's given to us. Let me tell you a little bit more about the context of this psalm. The pilgrims are approaching Jerusalem. They, they want to go to worship. And yet they know that, uh, you know, verse 19 says that only the righteous shall enter through this gate and shall go to Jerusalem. Have you ever, you know, wanted to go somewhere, but you, you couldn't? I mean, all of us are feeling exactly like that today. And what Jesus does through fulfilling this psalm is he says, I'm the way to worship. I'm the gate to the temple. I'm the new temple. And that's why he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, you know, riding a donkey, no less, coming in and everyone was surrounding him and they were quoting this psalm. They were yelling, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just like we've been singing. And Jesus becomes our righteousness. He becomes that gate through which we go into the temple and we meet with God and we get to know the one who created us. Jesus, before this entrance, he says in John 10, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus says it's my righteousness that's given to you. My right standing before God. That's important. That, that has to do with how we deal with uh, this virus, how we deal with every problem that comes into our life. 
how do we get rid of the regrets that we have? How do we get rid of the shame that we feel, the mistakes that, that we made? <laughs> this, the lack of confidence that many of us have. We, we don't have a firm foundational definition of who we are. We have to get this deep into our heart. The righteousness that lets us into the temple, so to speak, is given to us. It comes from Jesus as a gift. And many people think that life is about being a good person. You know, it's about trying harder. It's about doing more. But the Bible tells us that isn't true. Everyone needs Jesus. No matter how rebellious you are, no matter how far you've wandered away, no matter how religious you are and you think you can earn your way to God by doing all these good works, no amount of that can save you. Jesus can save you. His righteousness, his life lived for us. Why? Because it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's a gift from God, the righteousness that he gives us. Look at the events of Holy Week. Look at the events that are coming up. The, the crowds that quoted this psalm, five days later, they, they are saying, crucify him. People are fickle. I'm fickle. Five days can make a big difference. And yet, the stone that the builders rejected is Jesus. Verse 22 talks about the stone that the builders rejected. And Jesus becomes the cornerstone, not for a new way to work yourself up to God, not for a new religious system, but to end all that. To say, I trust in your grace. I believe in what you've done for me. The minute that we believe in Jesus, the minute we put our trust in him, his righteousness is given to us. My, my son is learning how to draw some of his favorite, you know, cartoon characters using tracing paper. So he traces over the image, and what comes out looks amazing. And that's what God does for us. It's like he traces, and what comes through the tracing paper is Jesus. He looks at us, and he sees Jesus. He sees the perfect life that Jesus lived. He sees all these beautiful things that Jesus did. He saw that even when he had the opportunity to lay into his enemies, Jesus said, forgive them, Father. When, when God looks at us, he sees Christ, his righteousness. It's about God's love. It's about God's righteousness. And this psalm is about God's salvation that's given to us. He saves us. He rescues us. He brings us back home. He adopts us. Verse 25 says, Hosanna, save us. Who can save us? Save us now. Who saves us? Who can deliver us? This Psalm 118 was the psalm, the hymn that Jesus sang after the Lord's Supper. It was the psalm that was associated with Passover. And so, you know, Jesus told his disciples, um, 
in Matthew 26. Take and eat. This is my body. Take the cup. Drink from it, all of you. And then verse 30 says, When they had sung a hymn, they went out from the Mount of Olives. This is the hymn that they sung. Imagine what that would have been like for Jesus to sing these words. It's like he's telling his disciples and he's telling us, this is who I am. I am the stone that the builders rejected. And I'm becoming the cornerstone, the foundation of something new. He's making it plain to his disciples that, you know, salvation is of the Lord. It's his work. That is the good news, and that is our only hope. You know, that, that God so loved, so hesed the world, that unchanging, unforgettable, always and forever love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That is what God has done. It's never been more true than it is today in this situation, that God loves you and me. We, um, we say it a lot around Park Lane Christian Reformed Church, but our only comfort is that we belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We belong to him. We're his we're part of his family. How do I know this? How do I believe this? Because I see it every day. <laughs> this week I saw it, you know, in making these calls to the congregation. I'm trying to get around to every single person to, uh, you know, to encourage, to check in. And, I, and yet what keeps happening again and again is that I'm the one that gets encouraged. I'm the one that's being built up. You know, especially from some of the older saints, that these things, these truths, this sense of belonging to God, it is deep in their bones. It has been with them their whole lives, and it has nurtured them for a time such as this. And so they're able to say, you know, this world is broken, but God is still in control. This is part of what he's doing to wake us up. You know, if you, if you don't have that kind of faith, ask God for it, because he freely gives it. It's a gift. It's grace. He longs to give it to you. And if you, if you want to want to have it, that's evidence that God's moving in your life and speaking to you. Jesus really did come to earth and suffer and die for us. He became the stone that the builders rejected to show God's love. The unbreakable love of God. You know, no matter what we've done, no matter how we've wandered, it's, it's still there. His love is coming after us. And perhaps especially in this moment, you know, God is saying to us, don't trust in anything else. Don't trust in your health. Don't trust in your stock portfolio. Don't trust in your job or your intellect or your accomplishments. All of those things can be taken away in an instant. But my love for you is constant. 
It's there. It will get you through this. Salvation is of the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Let's pray together. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for your constant and faithful love for us. Thank you that you've given us your righteousness and made us your children. We can enter in through the gate of Jesus and be with you and know you and worship you and hear from you. Thank you that you have won the victory, God, and you have saved us. You have rescued us. You have answered the call of Hosanna. And you have made us your own. May your salvation given to your people, given to us, may it comfort us in the midst of this struggle. May it build us up. May it be the thing that we look to. Thank you for your love, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.